Welcome to Home Buying 101 with Francisco Gonzalez. This week with me, I have Josh Yoder from AZ Mortgage. How are you doing today, Josh? I'm doing fantastic, Francisco. How are you? Good, Josh. So tell me, who is Josh Yoder? I've been in the mortgage industry since 2014. I've worked, you know, retail. I started with the largest lender in the country at the time. I moved into the broker space back in 2019, I believe it was. I've been doing that ever since, kind of going from large organization to slightly smaller brokerage to very small boutique brokerage to now kind of running my own spot with a small team of three executive members. So we're kind of whittled down to just being more you know, in tr- control of the entire process, having a big say in the direction of the company and you know, trying to help out clients the best that I possibly can. So in professional language, professional speak, that's who Josh Yoder is. So let me ask you, Josh, why did you go broker instead of retail? So starting out in retail, I think you kind of lose sight of what the real total process is for a borrower. There's a lot of questions that you don't truly know the answer to because, you you know, when you work in retail, you kind of only are a salesperson. Your job is to get a person started, get their loan application going, and then it moves down the pipeline to whomever's next in the process. And you don't really know what's going on. You're not their per, their main point of contact anymore. If there's something that goes wrong, ultimately, the way some places might have it set up, it's no longer your problem. And I think sometimes <clears throat> the people on the other end of the phone who are buying and trusting you with their business, you know, kind of are left without a paddle, you know. So I like to be in control. I'm maybe a control freak a little bit where I like to know everything. I like to be accountable. I like to you know, have a say in, in what's right and what's wrong and ultimately just not be a number to, you know, the, the, the company that employs me and instead just, you know, be more of a person, have a little bit more say and, you know, be able to help people a little bit more because I, I can control the entire process of the home purchasing or, or refinancing process for them. Okay. So Josh, every week we go over the numbers of kind of what the market looks like every week. So this week with the Maricopa market, we're looking at 14,121 active listings. So that's down about 127 from last week. Coming soon, we're looking at about 561 coming soon listings. Pending listings, we're looking at about 9,571. With the median list price still at 465 Median sold price at 413000 and days on market at 81 So, Josh, right now with a median sold price of 413 kind of what are we looking at on a monthly payment-wise? Sure. Well, you know, it always depends on what you want to put down. Some folks have a lot of money saved up to put down on a purchase. I personally, you know, it depends on – sometimes it just depends on your credit, on what you have available for down payment, but – I prefer, if I can, to have my clients put 5% down just because that's what I've done every time as a buyer myself. I believe in the, the power of having capital on hand. If you were to put 5% down on a $413,000 purchase price, including mortgage insurance, whether it's FHA or conventional, you're going to be looking at somewhere in the $2,400, $2,500 range for your finance charges, principal interest and mortgage insurance, assuming that you have great credit with 5% down. If you're doing it with an FHA loan, maybe a little bit closer to $2,500 if you're going with you know somewhere near your par rate where you're not buying down points or expecting seller concessions. 
Now, if you are putting more down, say you've put 20% down, you might be closer to around $2,100 a month for principal and interest on a conventional loan, no longer having mortgage insurance, not including obviously taxes and insurance. So, you know, you factor in those, you may, maybe in Maricopa County, you might expect to add a couple hundred bucks, 300 bucks a month and being out the door at if you put 20% down. Thanks for that information. So Josh, the reason I wanted to have you on this episode today is in this part of the process, we've already talked about getting pre-qualified, going through the process of finding your home. And today I wanted to talk to you about what goes into the underwriting process and of course, what happens in the process of closing. So let's just start off with what is underwriting? Sure. So if you're getting ready to close, you've already been through a lot of the underwriting process. What underwriting really is, just kind of at its core, is someone at a lender, an underwriter, reviewing the paperwork that you've provided them to qualify you for that loan. So you're not going to be approved for most loans without some sort of income verification. If you're purchasing without some sort of asset documentation, your credit documentation, and documentation related to the property that you're purchasing or refinancing. So if you're a traditional W-2 employee, pay stubs, W-2s, you have some money to put down, a couple months of bank statements. Somebody needs to see those documents, calculate your income, review what you have in the bank if you're putting money down to say that, yes, you are qualified. And us as loan officers, we would want to approve everyone. Just say, yes, you're all approved. Ultimately, an underwriter is the gatekeeper saying whether or not you are absolutely approved to purchase this home, refinance your home, whatever it may be. So that's truly what underwriting is. Somebody seeing your documents and saying that you are qualified. And ultimately, us as loan officers, our job is to prepare you to make sure that you are approved for that. We're not. Un- I always say that I'm not an underwriter, but I can underwrite a loan. You say, you take a look at what your documents are. You can calculate them all the same. We all use the exact same methods of how to calculate income, what your ratios that matter in a loan approval are. So you can be prepared. It's not just a total crapshoot on, am I going to be approved in underwriting? You can be prepared in advance. And then I'm guessing everyone has different underwriting. So let's say, for example, you go to bank A compared to bank B compared to bank C. Everyone has different underwriting requirements. Absolutely. And, you know, there's a reason for every bank in America to exist, right? They all have their niches just the way that a lot of industries have their niches. There's a reason why Apple isn't the software company for every piece of software you use, right? They, there are several different niches that exist in America with, with lending, and they all have their own ways of doing things and what's important to them, where they want to find business. So they all have slight nuances and differences between what's important to them. And that's sometimes where me as a broker, where I work with several different lenders, is to be an advocate for my clients to say, you know what, hey, I think you'll be approved just fine with these folks. These ones might, this lender may make your life a little bit more difficult. Let's go with these ones because maybe your income is a little bit hard to document and lender B or bank B is going to scrutinize a little bit more than bank A will. Okay. And then, of course, once you're submitting to underwriting, you're pretty much submitting everything when it comes to income, the appraisal, assets, credits, everything. What else is submitted to the underwriter? So, yeah, when you submit stuff, submit paperwork to the lender, to the underwriter, you want to try to get as much to them as you possibly can. No one wants to have to be contacted 20 times for every individual document that's being requested. 
usually pay stubs, W-2s, bank statements, maybe your driver's license. If it's a property that's an HOA, you know, we can collect HOA paperwork. There are title forms that the escrow company that is, you know, exchanging the funds on this, making sure that the title is clear, they will be providing to us. There are credit documents. Sometimes if you you know, you had your credit ran in the last couple of months a few times with other lenders pursuing a mortgage. We may need to know what you were doing. You know, we need to see why were you pulling your credit? Did you just buy a Ferrari or was this just something that you were poking around on? So all four of the main buckets that you typically you know fall into when you're qualifying for a mortgage are important. Income documents are important. The property documents are important. You know, if the house needs to be appraised, it needs to appraise for a certain value. It needs to be, you know, of a decent standard for a lender to want to use it as collateral. If you're putting money down, bank statements you're going to always need. If there's some strange large deposit, you know, you need to put $100,000 down and you just had $100,000 deposited last week. Somebody might ask why and ask you for some verification of that and credit. Hey, you know what, if you got some funky stuff going on with your credit. We might need a little bit extra paperwork, but if you're a well-qualified, very clean borrower, you do all the right things, it can be very simple too. Pay stubs, W-2s, bank statements, a credit report, and some minor documents beyond that. So of course, if, if there's any issues, they'll want letters of explanation or just extra documentation just to verify, hey, just this is what we need to get you across the finish line. Sure. Letters of explanation are a pretty common document that's used in process for when maybe there's not a crystal clear black and white document that exists without just maybe writing it out in letter form and signing off on it. For my credible example, hey, if Ferrari of America pulled your credit two <laughs> weeks ago, they might want you to say in writing that I did not buy a Ferrari. I was just kicking the tires. You sign it, you date it, the underwriter says, okay. So what, you're not supposed to buy a Ferrari before you buy a house like two weeks before? Unless you're Jeff Bezos, typically, (laughs) probably not. You know, most places will tell you that if you are, you know, in process for home purchase or refinance, you save those things until after you close for you to do those things. You know, the underwriting process is really looking at you as a snapshot in time of who you are Mm -hmm. during the loan process. What you do after that is kind of out of the scope of the purview of that lender to really worry about. So frankly, if you close on your home loan and right afterwards you decide to do things, there's nothing saying that you really can't. But while you're in process, it's just smart to leave those things until later. So, of course, just be mindful of who's running your credit and also just be mindful of you asking for these things in underwriting because at the end of the day, you guys are providing them a huge loan. It's not like you're lending them $5. Sure. And I think, you know, they have a right to ask for supporting paperwork. These lenders are, you know, taking on a large risk if something were to be done wrong. Nothing is done 100% perfectly every single time for the hundreds of thousands of loans that are done in America. And that's why these guidelines exist is that for the most part, they should protect the lenders by doing the right things. Sometimes I might be a little bit overkill. And me as a broker, I try to sift through some of the requests that a lender has to make it as easy as it can be for my client, because sometimes they are a little bit overkill. Sometimes you can be overconditioned and there's a simpler way to do it, but the lenders have a reason to ask for these things. It's just my job as the 
you know, intermediary to try to make life as easy as I possibly can. Of course. Explain to me what happens now that we've gotten approved in underwriting. What happens now going towards closing? Sure. Well, anytime you're purchasing a house, there are several parties involved. There's going to be the lender. There's going to be the title company. There's going to be an appraiser. There's going to be, you know, credit underwriters. There's going to be several parties that all kind of need to converge at the closing to say, I sign off on this. I cleared this. Title is clear. Insurance is finalized. It's ready to start on this date, the close of escrow date. All of these parties have done their job. And now it's time to bring it all together and make sure that it's all correct and clean on the final paperwork so that there's not some mess up that happens a couple months afterwards where somebody didn't get paid. Someone, you know, an insurance policy didn't get paid. Taxes didn't get paid. A lender didn't get paid, whatever it may be. So that's truly what closing is, is bringing all that stuff back home, making sure that it's correct, quality controlling it making sure that all the funds are exchanged cleanly and the correct way so the paperwork is done right. Once closing is, all the paperwork is drawn up, when you're purchasing a home, you're, you know, you're signing your life away, you're signing your name on the final documents, that paperwork is recorded with the county, and everyone has signed off on it at that point. So once the legal part of closing is done, the lender is able to send the money where it's supposed to go, and closing is then complete. So I'm guessing your favorite words are when you get an email that says clear to close. It's an exciting part of the job. It lets you know that you know, you've got this person that is relying on you from beginning to end. We're at the finish line, and you did your job. At that point, you send everything over to title, say, hey, let's balance the CD, let's get going. Sure, yes. On our end, what we try to do is give the lender and the title company as much of a head start on the paperwork as that can be done. You know, when you're closing, however many days of interest there are until the end of the month, however many, however many months or days it is until the taxes are due again, all of those things need to be put on paper in, in paperwork for the closing documents to look right. But yes, we try to do as much as we can to get paperwork ready for title. The lender and the title company will both, work back and forth sometimes for several back and forth emails to make sure that numbers are all accurate. But those are really the two parties at the tail end of it that are making sure the numbers are right for closing documents. So between getting the clear to close to going to the signing table, getting keys and everything, how long does it take from clear to close to getting docs and over to title and the client signing? Sure. So that is something that definitely depends on, the title company and probably more so the lender, you know, especially now in these days, there's been a lot of changes with mortgage companies, a lot of layoffs that have happened and maybe it's a little bit more of a toss up than it used to be, but traditionally it's going to be about a day or so. Hey, as a minimum, some places will have you have wait a couple of days. It really just depends on what their QC, their final closing process is. But generally if you have all of the paperwork back in, it is fairly realistic to, you know, hope to sign off the following day after you have the clear to close. If you've got a, a good lender, well-qualified borrower, nice and clean file. On the other hand, it could be a couple of days if it's the yeah. business is a little bit slower, the lender's a little bit slower to get the final docs done. Okay. So clear to close, you send everything over, they sign, people are in homes, and 
your job is done. Sure. And, you know, we can do stuff where you do remote closing where, you know, I have some, some of my borrowers have been moving in from California, making the move to Arizona. You can still close remotely, close in California and move into your house into Arizona the following day. You can t- traditionally just fund and record the same day that you sign paperwork. If you're doing something remotely, sometimes you fund the following business day. But after closing paperwork is done, you're usually going to get the keys the you know the day of or the following day. Something I want you to talk to the, to everyone about is after closing, a lot of people don't know this, but their loan can be honestly sold right away. So can you tell them about checking their mail and making sure that they're finding out where their loan, their first loan payments need to be made. And then if, let's say, for example, I get a letter from Penny Mac, because there is so much fraud out there, can the client reach out to you and make sure, do you guys get that information of where the loan is sold to, I guess? Usually we're going to get the first handoff if that does happen. Again, it's one of the choices that myself as a broker should usually probably prepare the buyer for. Hey, is this loan going to be sold off? Is it going to be transferred to a new servicer? Usually what you expect is that after you actually sign the final paperwork, there's going to be a couple of weeks where the loan moves from being in origination status into being a serviced loan. It takes a couple of weeks for the servicing side to take over. You need to have a new online account created. Some places will have that done same day or following day. Some places it might take a couple of weeks for you to have the ability to access that. Usually takes a couple of weeks for you to get your first statement. If your loan is going to be transferred to another servicer, you are required to be notified in writing that has happened, and they'll be giving you the contact information for where to reach out to. But as far as if you're if there's a place to reach out, you can always reach out to me as a broker. I like to try to make myself the intermediary so that you don't have to do these things. The burden shouldn't always be on the buyer for you know, me to be able to help them. Of course. Once a loan is closed, you know, that's technically when my job is over, but it doesn't mean that I can't just do the right thing and make a phone call for you to ask if a piece of paper that you get in the mail is legit, that your loan has been transferred off. Because after you close, there are going to, there is going to be a lot of paperwork that comes in from a lot of solicitors that will be reaching out to you for home warranty type doc. Life insurance. Life, you know, mortgage life insurance. These are common you know, solicitations that you'll receive after you close because that's usually the time that your loan and your purchase has become public record. And a lot of these companies that solicit further business from you are going to have that information available. So there are going to be sales, you know, sales marketing that you'll get, but a lot of it is just legitimate business where you're going to get a statement, your loan may be sold. And especially in this world that we live in now, Things are changing with mortgage servicing quite a bit, so you should keep an eye out for it and check your mail if it's from your current lender. Of course. So let me ask you, Josh, if someone wants to reach out to you guys and just start the process or start asking you questions on how to get started, where can they reach out to you guys? Sure. You can always just give us a call on our local phone number. We're based in Arizona. We cater specifically to the Arizona market, but you can call us on our company line, 623-233-4335. You can go to our website, www.myazm.com. You can check us out on Instagram or Facebook. It's myazmortgage for Facebook. It's az underscore mortgage underscore LLC for Instagram. You can reach out to us there. But usually 
we just like to just talk to you first and just see where you are in the purchase process. Not everything needs to be this formal, regimented, strict conversation. We can just talk as human beings and just see, hey, where are you? You know, can I help you? Do you need to know more about the purchase process to feel comfortable? We can start there. If you're ready to roll, you're starting to make offers, you have an agent, you just want to make sure that you're approved. You can get pre-qualified with us in five, 10 minutes. It's pretty fast. You know, we can go at whatever pace that you are looking to go at, but usually it's just best by just talking it out first and just of course. seeing where you are. Okay. So if you guys have any more questions, of course, feel free to reach out to Josh on his social media or his phone number. Or if you guys want to reach out to us on our socials, well, of course, we can connect you guys and ask him anything else you need to ask. So if you guys need anything else on Josh's side or on the insurance side when it comes to insurance quotes or any insurance questions, of course, reach out to us. Josh, thank you for being on the show today. Appreciate it. Thank you.